I'm Lori Hellman, an Indiana warrior mom who has navigated the autism world for 16 years and counting. My hope is to unite autism families by sharing experiences and taking a deep dive into this puzzling disorder. So thanks for joining me on Living the Sky Life, our autism journey. In my quest to find more parents of teenagers with autism or special needs in general, I stumbled upon my new friend Heidi's Facebook page called Autism Life. Heidi lives in Florida with her 6'2", 16-year-old son, Connor, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. Heidi also has over five years of professional experience working with individuals with autism and other disabilities as a teacher and an RBT, so it's pretty much all autism all the time for her. Heidi and I chat about our teenage sons and the aggression and behavioral struggles that sometimes accompany autism, as well as our concerns about future planning for our guys who will soon be full-blown adults. Please enjoy my conversation with Heidi. So I am pleased today to welcome my new friend, Heidi, to the podcast. Um, uh, I was so excited to find you on Facebook, Heidi. Um, I am definitely on a quest to talk to as many families with special needs children as I can, especially with those with teenagers. I mean, it's so hard to find each other. So <laughs> I think we can share our stories and experience, um, you know, on the latter years of autism. So I'm so glad that you are joining me today. Thank you so much. I was just like so excited when you reached out because I mean, it's, I kind of just started doing this on a whim, like the Facebook page and um, I don't know, it's just, it's been such a, a great experience. Um, I want to be, I've been thinking lately, okay, I said I was going to make this to get real and I need to put more real life things on here because I don't want another cutesy, you know, autism. I mean, there's lots of cute little stories and anecdotes, of course, but I want to talk more about, you know, the real life of it all that kind of behind the scenes of autism and puberty. Right. <laughs> it's definitely not all, all uh, roses and rainbows, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so take me back to, um, I always like to find out a little more details of the diagnosis and um, your son Connor is what, 16 now? Right. Son? Yeah. And, um, and he was diagnosed at, at three years old. So um, how did all of that transpire? Did you notice some delays with him? Um, and and oh, how yeah. did you get your diagnosis? Okay, it was it was really hard at first to get anything a diagnosis. I think people now definitely are getting diagnosed easier and earlier. Um, he did get diagnosed early, but it was there were so many times I would say to his pediatrician, "Okay, this isn't like my first baby. I've got two older sons, and they didn't. This is like I'm seeing things that I don't understand. What's going on? They don't seem." like what he should be doing and he's not do he's doing things he shouldn't be doing and he's not doing what he should be doing. And, um, especially with talking, um, and eating and he, it was just really brushed off as he's a boy. He has, his brothers are talking for him. He's shy. Um, and I just, I wanted to accept that because it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. So there's really not a problem. But then there would always be something else. It wasn't just that he wasn't talking. It was, he used to spin plastic bowls on the floor, like someone who had been taught to do that for their job and was like amazing at it. 
I mean, for, for hours. And to this day, I, I had, like, I have some big, bigger Tupperware bowls that if he ever even looked at them, I think I would be like, oh my God, we're having a regression. He wants to spin bowls. But that, he would do that to just over and over again. I, I can picture him putting a diaper on the floor, like two years old, spinning a bowl, like, like a top and just watching it and doing it over and over. Um, another thing I remember just like, I can just see it like a movie is him in his car seat and his two older brothers in the back seat and they both had food. I think like one of them had been picked up from like football or something. And he, he didn't even look at their food. Like he didn't even try to grab it. You know, he's probably two and a half. And I thought that is, he's just like, it, it means nothing to him that they have food. He doesn't even want to mess with them because they have food or he was just zoned out straight ahead. Like the smell of the food didn't, didn't turn his head, but that, that just, his food issues go way back. <laughs> so to yeah. me, that, that really set off a big warning bell too. I'm like, okay, my other boys when they were younger would have been, what's that? Or trying to poke it or grab food or something. And he just mm -hmm. had no interest. So did he not eat um, well as a baby? I mean, are we talking like formula even? Oh, yeah. or? He, he literally quit drinking a bottle on his own when he was, it was on Thanksgiving. Um, we went to, my other son was at college at, at Palm Beach Atlantic, my oldest. And we went down there to visit him for Thanksgiving. And I remember on the way back, driving back from Palm Beach to Orlando, that was the last time he ever drank a bottle. If it wasn't for going on like that trip, I wouldn't remember it. And I don't know why he just stopped wanting them. But for three years, that is basically all he had. And I tried, he had a lot of reflux. Mm -hmm. So we had tried a lot of different formulas. Um, we tried the one where I think it's called AR added rice. That one seemed to help him somewhat, mm -hmm. but um, he still just had a lot of reflux until he was about a year. And the drinking the bottle thing, he it mainly got replaced with baby food, even though he was three. Um, he gagged on anything like finger foods. He didn't really try to pick up things with his fingers and put them in his mouth. So that was something that was, I thought, okay, that isn't, you know, developmentally where he should, what he should be doing. He should be picking up food. Um, it's like he didn't even want to touch it. So everything was fed to him on a spoon. And if you tried to feed him anything that had too much texture or like lumpy or um, he would just gag and throw up. Gosh, I mean, just in on our talking, um, you know, prior to this taping, I, I just am amazed at the similarities between Connor and, and Skylar. I, you know, I know most people say everyone with autism has uniqueness about them, which they do, and that you can't, you know, really look at symptoms and say that they all are very similar. They all have eating issues. They all are verbal or, you know, or nonverbal. Um, but gosh, I mean, even from the bottles, Skylar used to projectile vomit too. And I, he lost so much weight that the pediatricians were threatening me that they were going to put him on a feeding tube. And I'm a brand new mother. You know, this is my first child. I, I did everything I could to try to get him to eat, but he just gagged on everything. And I mean, for his case, it was hypotonia, severe hypotonia. Did Connor have any muscle issues with, you know, grasping things like finger foods with his, you know, fine motor skills or, or had the muscles in his, in his throat and in his cheeks weak so yeah. that he couldn't really, you yeah. know, suction? Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. He got the general, like, low tone, like, okay. low tone in, in his, like, 
cheeks and stuff like that, but there was never like a specific diagnosis. And I feel like, you know, I, I had to push for him to get sculpted. At first it was, oh, he's just growing up because he has autism. I'm like, no, no. You, if you saw it, you would know. This is not like something he's doing to get out of eating. This isn't like an escape behavior or something like that. He, he isn't wanting to grow up. Um, so yeah, it, it's just, it was frustrating. And then also when you were saying that about Skylar, my oldest son was born very early, five weeks early. He had to be gavage fed. And I remember how horrible that was because he was, that was my first, you know, baby and he was a preemie and, um, they actually came and talked to me and said, okay, we think he's going to be developmentally delayed and all, and he's, he wasn't. So that's, that's what's so kind of ironic to me is that with Connor, I was saying, I think something's wrong. This doesn't seem right. And it's like, oh, no, 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 he's okay. You're just, you're tired and he's, he's your youngest. And that with Drew was, okay, he's probably going to have issues, you know, like he's going to de develop slower and maybe he has some fine motor and all these other things. And he didn't just so crazy how, you know, one, one place, one kid I'm told this might happen and it didn't. And the other, I'm fighting to get someone to tell me what's wrong. So he had his feeding issues and did he have some physical delays too with his low tone enough so that it, did the pediatricians suggest that you get a diagnosis from somewhere or did the pediatrician diagnose him with autism? No, it was really kind of crazy how it worked out that he even started to get diagnosed. Um, and I say started because it took, a, I thought he was going to get diagnosed and then he didn't at a place. But um, so my cousin was visiting and she saw him doing his bowl spinning <laughs> and he just observed some other things about him. And she was as an RN and right after they visited, she saw something on 2020 about autism and she saw something that reminded her of, of Connor. I think it was like the repetitive behaviors type demonstration or something that of a kid. And she was like, that really looks like him. And some other things that probably she had maybe thought weren't quite right. And she's the one that first brought it up. And we eventually started looking it up because I really didn't know anything about autism 16 years ago, which seems it's hard for me to remember not knowing about it now, but yeah. Yeah, um, I started just like trying to research stuff on it. And um, we ended up taking him to a place we found out about um, its first early step. Um, it's in Orlando and it's, it's like a clinic and they do therapies. But I thought at the time I was taking him to get a diagnosis of something like, okay, I need to know what's going on. And then I can be in mom mode and quote unquote, fix it. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. So I went there and we did all these different tests and um, it, it was just kind of heartbreaking because they're doing things like ringing a bell and Connor's not looking, they're calling his name. He's not responding. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, this is, you know, this is so hard. And I, I would sometimes say, but wait, he can really do that. Or, you know, like Connor stack this block and he, you know, he wouldn't, I'm like, but okay, he, he can do that. Let me try with them. And they're like, no, 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 this is a test. <laughs> We're trying to see what's going on with him. You can't help him. <laughs> Don't help him cheat, mom. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm like, come on, let's just stack these blocks. Um, they did all these things. And then the result was that he was going to be able to get services through Part C, which means they will have people come into your home and do therapy, like o uh, OT, PT, speech, behavior, whatever they are going to 
give you basically. So it's, it's free. And I think we got like eight hours a week, um, was about it. And when they turn three, they lose that service and get part B, which is going to the school system. Um, but I remember being upset, like, wait a minute, you're not telling me that he does or doesn't have autism. They're like, we can't do that. We can just tell you who qualifies for these following services. So it was, then I had to go to a neurologist and that's when we got diagnosed. Gotcha. Yeah. And I always, I found it interesting at first years ago that some of the neurologists were the ones diagnosing. I mean, that was our case, not officially diagnosing, but Skylar had seizures for a couple of years okay. from like age two to four. And so we went to neurology for that. And he's the first person that looked at him at age two and said, oh, he, he has autism. He's on the spectrum. And I'm like, what? I, mean, I came to you for seizures. What do we, what, yeah, what's right. Now? That would be, that would be <laughs> hard. I, I pretty much like at the, when I went to his neurologist um, that he had at the time and she told me, I already had, I had already told myself, okay, this is autism. Like I know it from everything now that I'm reading from when I'm looking through these tests, he had already had started services um, and he had a speech therapist who told me a lot of things and her knowledge helped me realize and get adjusted to the fact, like I wasn't that mom that went into the doctor's office thinking, what, what do you mean autism? Like, I was like, okay, you have to say this and you have to write it on this paper so that you continue to get services. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's I funny when we had, um, we call it first steps. I think we did at the time. I don't know if it's still called that, but first steps of Indiana and they, um, they did zero to three also speech therapy, PT, OT, all of that. Um, because he was diagnosed with the PDD NOS, basically developmental delay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Connor was diagnosed. With yeah. That. I think you everybody know. was back then because no one wanted to say the word. Um, but I, it was funny because they like your experience. I mean, the therapists are so knowledgeable. They see so many kids and with similar delays and, you know, not responding to their name, not making eye contact, all of the typical signs that we know of now. Um, but they of course are not in any position to make any diagnosis or give any medical advice. So like you, they, you know, would just say, I, you know, if I was you, I would, you know, talk to the pediatrician about this and that. And they also brought to light the word autism to me because I, I had no idea. I'd never heard of it. Right. I know. I, don't, I really parent. don't think I had <laughs> really heard that word like maybe you know briefly sometime I'm sure I did but it just it was not a word that was even on my radar and it, it just it's so bizarre because it's almost like two different facets of my life like I could split it you know before autism and after autism because yep. it, it literally changes changes everything and it did change everything for me anyway it just it really did I mean it's it's kind of amazing like I say it's hard to remember that I used to not know about it <laughs> Mm -hmm. Now it's like every, everything I do revolves around autism. So it's just crazy. And it affects the whole family. I mean, as soon as that diagnosis is made, um, it's a complete, it's a family diagnosis because it changes right. the way you do everything with your other children, with your spouse, you know, it, it, it just, it wreaks havoc on everything. So, um, yeah, so exactly. with Connor's, um, feeding issues and texture issues and some of those things, did that remain only during his younger childhood years or does he still as a teenager have you know very selective appetite for foods or issues with food yeah very very selective um he definitely i am not the person to introduce any food to him because it 
it's hard for me to do it's it's not where my strengths lie as far as something to work on with Connor that is not me because I'm going to be the one who feels like I'm force feeding him even if I'm not so I can't I can't go there with him because he was um abused in the school when he was three and thank god another mom I knew from a, a mutual therapist was in the cafeteria in the morning and saw what happened and called me and it, it was just it broke my heart it made me furious um just a lot of different emotions and I really feel like he still remembers that 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 is ingrained in him you know besides the the undiagnosed esophagitis oh and gastroparesis that he just got diagnosed with two years ago he was made to have he, he had food held in his mouth and was screamed at you're not going to throw up on me again today he did throw up and then he had food crammed back in his mouth it was it's horrible by a therapist by a teacher by an ese teacher which is what they call them here um exceptional student education is what they call the teachers that are working with kids with you know any kind of developmental delay or even the, the gifted it's all called ese um so yes it was a teacher and it was you know she'd been a teacher for i want to say at least five years i mean she wasn't like her first year but that and there's no excuse for it regardless but it was it was pretty pretty horrific experience and i think that he recalls that some part of him knows that something bad happened with food and i don't he just it's not something he like really enjoys i mean when he eats his ritz crackers believe me you would think oh he must love those and I, it's not that he doesn't like them it's just they're easy to chew and he, he doesn't have to worry about hurting when they swallow it and all that kind of stuff so he kind of like made his own selectivity with his diet. I mean, I would, if somebody gave, said, hey, Connor at school, you know, would you like to eat some of these French fries? I would be thrilled if he would try French fries. Just, just because it's like, I mean, I wouldn't want him to start just eating French fries, but I mean, you know, it's just, I want him to try like your typical kid foods or teen foods or just to kind of enjoy food. And I just, I don't know that he ever will really feel that way about food. So it's still pretty, pretty mush and pretty bland. Yeah. I mean, again, I can relate. Not, not now. Um, I swear we bought cases and cases of Pediasure because he was so underweight. I don't think he's ever been on the charts. He's always been like the lowest 10th, 10th percentile, if that, on any of the, the growth charts. Um, but at least, I mean, Skylar's a pretty good eater now. Our issue, um, and I think I told you too, he was diagnosed with esophagitis right. as well, um, with a, along with ulcerative colitis and everything else. But um, he also gags. Part of Skylar's problem though is he does not chew. He's mm -hmm. excited to eat, and I don't think that he like takes the time and enjoys the food as it's going down. He just inhales it because he's hungry. Right. And he chews terribly. We've done umpteen uh barium swallow studies at the hospital and they're all clear i mean he he the food goes down the right uh pipes as i say um properly and he's they show he's you know chewing enough to get the food down but i'm like that makes no sense why is he choking all the time i mean these choking episodes last hours yeah, that, because that, he that, just doesn't know how to throw up so then <laughs> on top of all that we're just following him around with a towel like you know for an hour because of one too large of a piece of some chicken or something. So uh, it's, it's a mess. 
Connor, <laughs> I feel like Connor acts afraid of food sometimes, unless it's like his preferred foods, which he only, like he does eat lunch at school, but usually not right away. Like when the school year starts, he's, he's not going to eat probably for a week or two, or let's say he's done sometimes he's gone to ESY extended school year. Like, um, just because like there hasn't been summer camp and, you know, I had to work or something. And, um, I will tell them, I doubt he will eat lunch because he doesn't know you guys or, you know, it's not always the same exact staff. Maybe like one pair will be there that he knows, but still it's, it's different. So he, if he doesn't feel 100% comfortable, he, he'd rather not eat at all like, in, in the setting. So yeah, we go to, if we took him to a restaurant, it would be difficult. I try to like, one of my friends and I, we need to do this. And Jen Garzon, if you're listening to this podcast, we need to start doing our, um, calling you out. We need to start doing our play dates with um, the kids <laughs> and at re- like go to a restaurant with them and then go to the park. We got Connor to go sit in a restaurant because her daughter, who Connor has known since they've both been three, she goes into restaurants and she usually will eat something, but she's good as long as she has her headphones, her cool beats headphones. And Connor has been obsessed with her forever. So I thought, well, maybe if he sees her, you know, go in here and sit down. A couple of times he at least sat down, but he would never eat anything. It doesn't matter if I bring him like his crackers or yogurt, he's not going to eat in a restaurant, which is that sensory. Maybe he smells everybody else's food and doesn't like it. You know, I, I just, it's so hard to know. The stimulation, you have everything. Yeah, all the on. noise. All does the- he, does he like ensure or anything for calories just to keep him, you know, no, not wasting away? If you saw him, you would not, he does not look like he's wasting away. So he's probably... The last time he got weighed, he was like 175 and he's 6'2". So he's like a, a lean machine, you know, he's like this tall giraffe and he's, he, d- he doesn't have a, an issue of being underweight um, because the things he does eat, like he'll just eat because he's so hungry, like he's waited all day to eat and he'll just eat like probably too much food at one time or something. And then he's like, oh, I ate too much. Um, so it's just not your quote unquote normal, you know, way to eat. Like I said, he would wait hours and hours and hours. Like, you know, I take him to theme parks. If he gets hungry, he will not eat. He won't try something. Like, I mean, I feel guilty. I have gotten like this delicious caramel apple at Disney or a cookie or something like a cookie. I'm like, okay, we, we can do this, buddy. Look, just let's break a bite off. And he's like, no. And he looks at it like horrified. <laughs> Like it's poison. <laughs> I know. And I'm walking around Disney like, oh my gosh, I can't enjoy this cookie. I'm eating it and I look like a bad mother. My kid's not eating anything, you know, or you drink um, a slushy or something. It's hot out. And he would never consider drinking that. He would rather wait until he found a water fountain and just deal with being thirsty and hot. It's, it's like, I wish I could break him of those things, you know, like, come on, just, it's okay. You can take a drink from a bottle of water when we're at Disney or something. She's got to eat a Dole Whip. That's like the main staple of Disney. <laughs> yeah, right? A Dole Whip. You don't have to chew it. You can do this. Come on. Come yeah, on. I mean, that you just literally let it melt in your mouth. You don't have to do anything. Oh, Lord. He has well, tried a couple things with his teacher, like on a field trip. Like he did try, they went to SeaWorld and he tried part of an ice cream bar. And I tried to get him to do it with me. And of course, now he didn't want anything to do with it. So it. On a rare occasion, he'll take like a bite or two, but he has to hold on to your arm. Like he's very nervous. 
that's the case for probably most parents though, is, you know, Skylar's behaviors, even when our behavioral therapist comes over or his teachers at school always, you know, give us a note every day. And they're like, gosh, he had an amazing day. He was laughing and he, you know, was pushing buttons in a book today and, you know, doing all these great things. And then he gets home and he hits me like first thing in the door, he just smacks me. You know, I'm just like, Oh yeah. I'm glad you had a good day for everyone else. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> it all up just for you. <laughs> well, you mentioned, um, I guess that's a good segue into, into the aggression part of autism that some of us have to deal with. And, um, you know, you had mentioned he's six foot two and you're quite a tiny, tiny woman yourself. So I, I cannot imagine if Skylar was six, two, I mean, he's five, four and he's already taller than me. So I, I I'm just trying to picture what that would be like for us. But, you know, you mentioned to me before that, you know, in the teen years, I guess he's become quite aggressive, you know, specifically with you. Yeah. And I just wonder, has he always shown some aggression, you know, hitting or hitting of himself or anything like that as he was growing up or did it, just, is it just like a puberty thing that hit him in his teen years and he's just, you know, not handling his hormones well or something, do you think? I, yeah, it's, it's like definitely gotten more intense and when, when it happens, because of his size, but he's always been behavioral kid. I mean, there's like, when I go back and, and really think about, you know, elementary school and, you know, different programs he's been in, um, he's always had like the attention seeking behaviors, like, oh, I'm in the swimming pool. Let me start splashing people. Oh, I mean, you know, that kind of stuff that is just kind of, you know, if I'm not speaking like a behavior therapist, just your goofy, silly behavior that, you know, you're like as a mom, oh my gosh, how am I going to get him to stop splashing people? I guess you're getting out of the school to when he was younger, pinching a lot or like he would dig his nails into my arm a lot. And I still have these little tiny scars. It reminds me of, um, oh gosh, on Twilight when Jasper had the baby vampire scars. I was like, that's what my arms look like. <laughs> There's little tiny white marks that are there from when he was little. Um, so he's always had these kind of like bouts of it, of aggr more aggressive behaviors. Um, I think at the time I didn't consider them aggressive because he wasn't mad. Now I realize they're aggressions because now I work in behavior. But before I thought, oh, I, you know, I don't know why he's doing this and I'll tell him nice hands or, you know, we, that's not how we touch people. Show me nice hands. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I used to say that and it never really worked, but that's what they said at school when he did things like that. And Sometimes you just don't know what to say. You're like, why would my child who I love and loves me be wanting to pinch me? <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I need to just tell him we don't do this. Um, he's always on and off just had more aggressive times than others. But when he had this huge growth spurt in the last like year and a half um, and started having, I think, some emotions that he did not know how to explain to himself or how to deal with or regulate, he started having these explosions when he would get upset and a, you know, property destruction as in throwing, you know, TVs, glasses, laptops, um, a lot of things got broken. Um, a lot of things got hidden and put away. Mm -hmm. um, he's doing a lot better with that now. And now I'm seeing more obvious cues to it with his anxiety. So that helps. At least I know, okay, wait, he's getting amped up. It's, it's more obvious now when he might be more prone to have an aggression. Is he on any medications for like the, 
aggression or anything to calm him down. I know we've experimented over the years with different right. things. You know, yeah. some worked, some made him worse, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And right now, it, ironically, he, the, the thing that is helping him at first made it worse. And I didn't realize it was making it worse. Um, he has his medical marijuana card. Oh, okay. So he gets the THC CBD and he's had it for over a year, but it's only really been in the last several months that we've gotten a kind that has really helped. The first kind, it's like you get, you get some information, um, but you don't get told exactly like, okay, you need to give this dose at this time of this brand, mm -hmm. like you do with any other drug you get a prescription for. It's more like, here's the maximum amount you can take per day um, based on his weight and height. And you have to go to legal dispensary and I can't, the doctor can't recommend a dispensary. I guess that's like kind of against their ethics with the whole yes. decision. So we, the first one we tried, um, we ended up switching to the one we're at now. Um, I like one we're at now a lot. Satara Wellness, they're awesome. They really helped us and it's still like, I wonder, hmm, would a different one even help his anxiety more? But I'm too afraid to change it because his aggressions have gone from just out of control to barely there. Like, he was getting a little stressed out last night because he just started the new, his new behavior therapist. And he hasn't had behavior therapy in forever, which is so ironic and sad. But um, he, the guy is great. And he's taking things like very slow pairing with him the pairing's going to last a while because that's what's going to have to, to be for Connor to like let his guard down enough to really, you know, work with someone right now. And as soon as he started to get his anxiety, he walked over to me and kicked at me like, okay, I'm thinking about kicking you. I can kick you if I want kind of look at me. And I just like looked away because he didn't do it. Um, but he did pinch me a couple of times, but it wasn't bad. And then he, then he kind of just calmed down and he was, he was okay. But I, I definitely thought, okay, he's, he's not going to aggress on this therapist. He's going to, he's going to come over to me and be like, I'm feeling nervous. I want to pinch you. Well, it's just like, it takes, you know, these, these kids so long to pick up a new skill, maybe new words, new things. Um, it's the same reversing bad behavior. I mean, oh, we've, yeah. we've been told the gamut over the years of, you know, if he walks behind you and smacks you, I mean, and it doesn't hurt, but after like 30 times of it, you just, I mean, I lose it. I, I just snap and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, I, mean, I can't help it. I just yell at him. It's just human nature. Just if you get hit that many times for doing nothing, you know, standing at the sink or whatever, and he just walks behind me. And I've tried to tell myself, it's just hit, that is his way of saying like little kids, you know, four and five years old that say, mom, 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 exactly. you know, over and over. Yeah, yeah. So he just taps me on the shoulder. He wants my attention, but it's just a little, it's not the way I would prefer. And so we've been told, you know, ignore when he hits you. If you, if you react, you're giving him the attention that he's seeking and you're right. just reinforcing the bad behavior. I mean, and I get it. That makes complete sense. But again, just any normal person that gets smacked or oh, pinched yeah. or hair pulled repeatedly, you just, I mean, you just snap. You just cannot take it. I mean, at least I can't. I mean, my patience is pretty, pretty thin as it is. He's made me more patient over the years, but it's still nowhere where I prefer it to be. Um, but you know, I just, 
now I just, you know, hold his hands down after he does it, you know, and just by the wrist lightly. And I just look him in the eyes and I say, you know, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. And then he'll walk away. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, he'll come back and spank me again, but at least there's a break. Right. <laughs> at least I've taught him. That, okay. <laughs> give me five minutes and then you can hit me again. Just oh, give me a break. I, I feel like Connor has, um, they're, they're kind of trying to figure out like the whole function uh, because it's, it's more than one, one thing that he's doing when he repeats phrases. He, he will repeat a phrase until you say something. Um, it, it's like his way of maybe trying to interact sometimes, other times it's attention. And it, it, it's like finishing part of his phrase. Like he gets very lazy with his speech too. So he wants you to sing Baby Shark. Now he's down to looking at me and going, hey, Bay, and I'm supposed to know. <laughs> she'll chime in. Sharp. He just literally says Bay. I'm like, people probably think he's a Beyonce fan. I don't know, but he just runs around yelling Bay. And you're like, my other son knows that now. He's like, he'll start singing Baby Shark because he knows that's what Connor is talking about. And of course, he likes it and gets, you know, like happy about it. But he has other ones that are so inappropriate. He'll yell, Pinch people, it's fun. Well, okay, let me do my Connor work. Pinch people, wonder is this really deep voice, and um, and it's like obviously that's not funny. No one thinks it's funny. Be pinched, or he'll say when he's starting to get stressed, he'll do it in a different tone with tons of it. You know, then you're like, ooh, is he like gonna do this? He never has said it and done it, but he'll he'll say it when he's angry too, like hit people. Um, but he doesn't do it then. That's what's ironic about it. But maybe that's good. Maybe yeah, he's I, I learning he like. I want to do this, but I know I'm not supposed to. So I'm just going to talk about it. You know, that's right, like next right. step. The last so time that's awesome. Haircut, he was yelling that in the salon. I'm like, oh my gosh, please can we just get this haircut and get it done? Because he wasn't acting aggressive at all. He was just saying those things because he was, he was very nervous. Being in the haircut place makes him super stressed. Um, so, he, but he's so loud sometimes. Everyone's yeah. probably like, oh my gosh, this kid is yelling, hit people, kick people. I'm just, uh, it was... It was kind of intense, but we, we made it out with haircut. So <laughs> nobody, nobody was injured in the process. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing of, you know, just visits to get your haircut or all those things for, for him. Oh my gosh. I mean, we used to have to, you know, kind of Skylar, I'd have to have him on my lap when he was younger and hold him really tight so they could cut his hair. And then, you know, he just goes through spurts of sometimes he'll sit in the chair. Sometimes he won't. Now we take him in his, he has a really cool, um, it looks like a running stroller, but it's an adaptive stroller kind of deal oh, okay. for his size. And um, so now my hairdresser um, is so awesome. And she, we bring him in the stroller into the salon and then she cuts his hair while he's in his, his, his stroller. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And because he's comfortable there, that's his place. And I, I think we just kind of figured out him getting into the chair um, their stylist chair. He just is uncomfortable. He doesn't, Great. doesn't know what's about to happen. He just kind of freaks out. So we keep him in the comfort of his own little seat that he knows. And, you know, we use that thing for, for a lot. We take him to church and he sits in that, um, and a lot of things. So when he outgrows, I don't know what we're going to do because that's our lifeline right now. But, um, you did say too, you told me at one time that he, um, he doesn't like to wait, obviously, um, patience is, is tough for a lot of the kids, but, um, that he wants you to always repeat it's funny. So like, yeah. even if something's not funny, yes, so exactly. what's that about? <laughs> I, that's what, so his, the new therapist he has, um, th this is like, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like he's onto something. I don't want to jinx 
what just happened last night and this morning, but Connor, his main one that he says is, it's funny poke. And he says it in this deep voice and he says it kind of fast. And I, his therapist didn't know what he was saying at first. And I said, oh, remember I told you he says that a lot. So we totally like just kind of shocked Connor. He said, okay, if you don't say it, what happens? And I told him he usually will get very, very stressed out. At first he says it, you know, like, hey, I'm joking around. I'm saying this. I want to like have this little verbal back and forth with you. And if you don't say it, he starts to get really amped up. He starts pacing and clicking, like hitting his knuckles together. Um, he'll get right in your personal space and say it and then like jump back. He'll get real jumpy with his movements. And then that can sometimes lead to him having an aggression. So I'm like, usually that's the only one. He's accepted that that's the only one I will say. I don't say it's funny pinch, it's funny kick. I've said it's funny poke. And I know it sounds ridiculous that I've been repeating this and I'm telling this guy this. I'm like, I know it's ridiculous. But he's like, no, let's just, let's just try something. So Connor said it and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to answer him. And he goes, it's funny poke. And you should have seen Connor's face. He's like, did you just say it? Yeah. <laughs> and so then we tried it where when he wanted me to say it, he told me to say, to basically tell Connor to ask me to say it. Like, okay, if you want me to say it, say, mom, say, and then don't, you know, don't have him repeat, it's funny poke, but just say like, mom, you say mom, and I'll tell me what to say. You want me to say it? And he would look at me and go, no. Like, he looked like kind of sad about it. Like, you guys are messing up my world here. But <laughs> the amount of times he said it was way down after that. And he said it one time to me this morning. And I said, oh, you want mommy to say that? And he just looked at me and didn't say anything. And he didn't so, say it again. And literally I'm talking, there's mornings where he says it 30 times in a row. So he sounds like he's big I'm on structure. That by turning his script around on him, maybe that I can get him to, to stop somewhat saying it all the time because it, it turns into this cycle of, oh my gosh, you're just like trying to do something and you're like, it's funny, poke. it's funny, because if you don't say it, then he gets behavioral. But I know what I need to do is like have an extinction burst with this, but I don't feel that that could happen with just me alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's very big on structure and order of things and all of that, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very regimented with, with everything. Um, he's got an order that he wants his food in and an order like in order of, of what he eats, in order of how many yogurts, he knows it's three. <laughs> so like, if he looks at the clock and sees it's time for the bus to be coming soon, he'll, he'll say he wants another one because he knows that I'm going to tell him he can't have another one because we have to go. It's just become like this, this routine where, you know, he, he looks at the clock and is thinking, Ooh, what can I do to maybe miss the bus? It's like Groundhog Day every yeah, day. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. deja vu. I've been here before. No, you can't have a yogurt. Let's go. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We've only we've only done this every single day. But you know, ask again. You know, I'm going to say no. <laughs> so I know you told me too that you guys are within days of getting ready to move um, to a to a new home. Yeah. Um, and when we talked last, you were bracing yourself to. Um, introduce that to Connor. Um, and I just wondered if you've had an opportunity to, to do that and, and what his reaction has been or. Oh, yeah, it was okay. So, so far 
he's doing pretty good with it. Um, he is not persevering on it, which is what I thought would happen. Like he hasn't said, you know, no, stay here, no move, no move. He hasn't said that. Um, he has asked me a couple times about this weekend saying Epcot Saturday. And I, I told him, no, we, you know, we're going to be moving Saturday. Remember? And I made him a book and he, I didn't, you know, I kind of just laid it down. His brother brought it home from work and I like motioned for him to go put it in Connor's like favorite spot on the couch so that Connor would just like see it and exactly what happened. And he picked it up and started looking at it and he was very intrigued. And I told him, Oh, I see you saw the book. You know, I, I made it like a low key thing because if I would have said, look what I made for you, I made you this book. He would have just been like, no, no. Um, <laughs> and backed away. Like, what are you doing? So he's looked at it every day since my, he's looked at Monday, Tuesday, but yeah, every day I've seen him looking at it. And then I will just kind of make some comments like, you know, mommy found new places for us to take our walks. Um, I, I made the videos and he's looked and there's pictures of stuff and he goes on my phone and looks at stuff. So I think he's looked at those kind of like on his own. He's becoming more like secretive teen, you know, like, mm -hmm. hmm, I don't want mom to know I'm looking at those pictures on her phone. Um, so I think that's like his little teen thing coming through there. But does the, does the book have pictures of his new room and his new, yeah, new, new house? So I, I got this really cute social story that was, really simple on a um, teacher paid teacher. I, of all places, I wasn't even thinking they would have one. Um, and then I edited it to, to be, you know, mom, mom and Brandon and I are moving to a new house. And then I put a picture of the front of the house uh, underneath it. And then I even took like, um, I went online and got a picture of the moving truck that's coming. And cause it said like, we will yeah. take boxes in our car and, and in our truck. Well, I put, you know, have like a little drawing of a of a car. So I just deleted that and put like the two men in a truck truck. And then mm -hmm. I put a picture of our like backyard and um, his bedroom. So I did put some real pictures on there too. That's so smart. And I kept it pretty simple. It's like three pages, but they're, it's big, like the spacing's big. And then it has a little map of where it's located because he loves his maps. <laughs> He's all about maps. That's so smart. I mean, change is hard for anyone, but for our kiddos, it's really, really hard. Um, oh yeah. I mean, I just remember when we moved in, we uh, moved into this house from our other one, it was kind of the same thing. We just kind of watched him because he just paced and he walked room to room and was just like, not really sure when we were going to leave and go back home. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's hard too, because, um, our house was finished. Um, we moved in Christmas Eve, um, like four, four or five years ago. And that was chaos. Cause we didn't have the furniture yet because of the holiday. Um, a lot of the furniture wasn't going to be moved until the next couple of days. So we did Christmas around the tree. We hurried and got a tree up and, um, did the presents on the floor kind of around the tree and he was not having it and oh, we had to at a card table just cause that's all we had. And he just looked at us like, yeah, I know you don't expect me to sit there. So, <laughs> you know, I was just so worried we were going to mess up everything for him. Like he would no longer sit at the table. He would only eat on the couch after that, but it didn't happen. Thank goodness. It was fine. But after I think, you know, what's hard, I think too, is for me, I sit there and think of all the things that could go wrong. Like, and it's yeah. not that I'm catastrophizing life. It's like, these are things that have happened. Like, 
Connor has done you know this XYZ behavior before in a transition or you know when he's overwhelmed or when he's scared so it's, it's like I think sometimes people think as like autism parents when we're like trying to always have a plan A and B and C that maybe we're like overreacting it's like no you don't know we've we've seen we've seen a lot of things already go down and we're just we're worried the, these things could happen like it's very it, it's not out of the realm possibility at all um for you know him to go in a new situation and just escalate and get so stressed out that he doesn't know what to do with himself except for to hit or throw things so i just hope when we you know get in there we, we wanted to get in friday night and we can't we can't get until saturday morning um but I think he's definitely going to pace around and check out every room, but he's going to have more room like to pace around. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that will make him feel like, okay, I have space here. You know, maybe that will help get him more acclimated. Mm-hmm. I, I hope. <laughs> I've got yeah, it will. <laughs> You've already taken really great steps to, you know, getting the, the process started with the move. So the, the book and everything else. So I think it'll be just fine you're on top of it. So, you know, being that you, uh, work as an RBT. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, that I cannot even fathom that you work with children on the spectrum all day with varying needs and behaviors. And then you come home and care for a, you know, sometimes aggressive, difficult to feed, um, 16 year old son. So you never get a break. So how in the world do you do that? Well, if, okay. So Connor, is with me one week and with his dad one week. So definitely mm-hmm. that makes a difference. I do get to work. Um, I work less hours the weeks I have him, but I'm, it's still, I still have three clients the weeks I have him, but the week um, that he's at his dad's, I work a lot longer days because I have a client who, um, her mom's amazing and is glad to have a therapist who has a kid on the spectrum. And is like, no, if you can only do every other week at the hours I need, I don't care. I want you to do it. Like, I'll, I'll take a week off. So I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I need more hours, but it's, it definitely sometimes, you know, that of course there's that exhaustion factor depending on, you know, the, the needs of this, of your client. I mean, there's, there's, you know, clients that are prone to a lope or that you've constantly got to be, you know, redirecting or <clears throat> blocking elopements and that kind of thing. But I, a lot of the time I feel fortunate that I, I don't know, it's, it's like, it's helped me in a lot of ways, not feel sometimes like I can't think of what, what to do to help Connor. And then I think, wait a minute, so-and-so has this in their program or so, and it, it can mm-hmm. spur ideas for, for one thing. Other times it helps me with these kids. I'm like, oh man, I remember when Connor was going through something like that and I did this or that, or someone told me, Hey, you know, have you ever tried doing it this way? Or um, it, it kind of is, it works, it helps both ways. Mm-hmm. And then there's just other times, um, this might sound like a selfish reason, but sometimes it makes me realize I'm not so alone. Cause sometimes you just feel alone. Like, absolutely. A lot I'm of times. I'm the only person who's <laughs> with us. And then I, I go to work and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I no. can do this. <laughs> yep. I got this today. Cause look at all these kids who are in this school and you know, their, their parents are probably having days where they feel that way too. And it's like, sometimes it can almost be overwhelming seeing the amount of kids that have significant disabilities. 
uh, cognitive disabilities um, and how much it affects them. And it sometimes boggles my brain. I'm like, this is such a societal problem that isn't being addressed. Like these kids are going to get bigger. They're going to get older. And, you know, it's, it's not like I, I don't think Connor is going to be able to really have a sustainable job. And it's, you, you look at some other kids and you're like, you know, what are they going to do when they're older? There's just not enough programs. There's not enough support. Um, I think, so that kind of stuff sometimes gets in my head. And I know I've been told I overthink that stuff. And I, I know that's true. And I try to not do that. But, you know, I get in that mode sometimes where I'm like, what, what are we doing as a society to help, help these kids and, and their sure. parents and their, their siblings? And it, it just, it can get, that part can get overwhelming to me, I think. Well, so I have perfect. to like back, back myself up from that because mm -hmm. I, and I, I talked to somebody at a clinic I used to work at, um, and she said sometimes she gets in that mode of like a, a certain kid that she feels, you know, really just sad about certain things that are going on or that, you know, that they're not going to be able to do. And then she said, she talked to her supervisor and she said, this is the advice they gave me that, you know, you're with this client for how many hours? Like if it's six hours, all I can do is do the best and make this the best six hours maybe that they're going to have today. So sometimes I remind myself of that when I start to get in that mode of, you know, oh my gosh, like there, there's, there's so many issues at work here that I, you know, how can we help all these kids? How can, you know, my kid, these kids, it's just, I try to just take it one, you know, one session at a time sometimes. Cause I get too boggled in all that. If that makes sense. It does. I would say it's absolutely normal to be stressed and worried about the future for your son. I mean, I, I'm in the same boat and that's why I've, I've said on several podcasts already that I am on a mission to find, you know, a lot more parents that are out there that, you know, just so that we can connect that have teenagers, maybe 20 and 30 year olds that were diagnosed, you know, forever ago and how they're living and what, what an adult looks like. I mean, the guest yeah. that just aired yesterday, the sibling of an adult on the spectrum and just what their experience as a family has been because there aren't any you know, I shouldn't say there aren't any, but there are very few programs for adults on the spectrum to continue learning and education and be ingrained into the community and doing different things. And, you know, for kids like Connor and Skylar, you know, it'd be great. I would love if Skylar could be a Walmart greeter. I'm not kidding. I mean, it sounds no, funny, I know, but I know you're not. I anything like that, that he could just do something to make himself feel good about it, you know, good about his day and have some independence that I would know he's safe and that he can do something, right. um, you know, ingrained in the community in some way to be helpful. Cause he's so sweet, but he can't do that. If he doesn't have a single word, he certainly can't welcome anyone <laughs> to Walmart. If you can't say welcome to Walmart, <laughs> so that's off the table. And, and I, I mean, I, I try not to get bogged down on those things too, but it's hard not to with every birthday now, I feel like I'm celebrating the birthday and I'm really excited for him and all the, the growth that he has achieved in many, many ways. But I also can't help but compare him to not even other 16 year olds because there's just no comparison, but the five and six year olds that are learning new words and starting to form sentences and do all these other things. And he's just kind of still stuck in the four-year-old needing us for everything 
And I'm just picturing myself as this 85 year old frail little woman <laughs> that's hopefully no, not still changing his pull-ups, but I may be, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, so that's how I feel too. I, I don't, I don't know. And like the first time it was said in the IEP meeting was probably like two years ago. They said it, um, he's kind of like, he's been held back. Um, let's see last year and in second grade, so I think he was 14. The first time it was really said, like, okay, you know, part of this IEP meeting is we need to tell you guys that you really should be thinking of a long-term plan. And, um, what are your goals for him in the future as an adult? And it, that, that first time they said it, I was like, whoa, I mean, it, it totally, it felt like, a punch in the gut. Like it, I just was like shocked, scared, everything. Um, every time I, when I look into things, I feel very confused, like vocational programs. Um, I went to a meeting that the school district had about specifically about that. And it was so overly confusing. And it wasn't just me. I, another mom I know who runs an organization for the kids with autism looked at me and said, do you feel completely overwhelmed right now? And I'm like, I'm glad you said that. Cause I thought it was just me. She's like, no, there's just like so much information, but you don't even know like what to do with it because you can't like Connor's too young to apply for these programs now, but then some of the programs, most of them, he couldn't even probably get into. So he would need to try to get into one of the pre-programs to learn pre-vocational skills. Um, and I keep, I kind of get different answers from different people about like how to go about even finding out more and. I, I don't, it's very overwhelming. Um, I did like some research on pre-vocational job skills. And when I did that, it, it just, I thought, wow, I feel nervous and scared now because I don't know that he can really do many of these things. Like even just being able to stand next to a person that you don't know is a pre-vocational job skill. You know, being able to take um, a, a direct, I don't want to say order, like a direct instruction from a new person. You know how, because a lot of our kids are used to talking to the same people. That's the people they feel comfortable with if they talk. Even if, and if they don't talk, they, they don't want to do anything for someone they don't know either. They shut down. Like, it's hard to, to look at the, some of these things and go, wow, I see my child being able to do that. I don't. You know, I, I just don't. Or being in a new, a new environment. Yes, being in a new environment. Yeah, you know, a new environment. The minute we go somewhere that he's not comfortable with. He definitely has reactions, you know, whether they're physical or oh, yeah. it affects his GI system and we have <laughs> blowout situation because he gets nervous and he has anxiety because oh, he's yeah. I don't know what they're going to do to me here and they're not going to do anything. We're just going to visit, you know, a place or shop or a restaurant that's new or something like that. But we're always prepared for the reaction. And until he goes several times to the same physician or the same hairdresser or whatever it is, he is finally comfortable after multiple visits you, you right. know what's going to happen and we're good but it, it's a lot of build up to that to get to that to get to that point right i mean and that's the thing though the connor's so big that he, to the point now where if he has a reaction to something new i'm worried about what could go what could transpire next like is somebody going to call the police we were at um Oh gosh, I took him to something and I, he, for some reason I thought about it. He, I took him to an event here when he was super little and he didn't do well. And then I took him back just like two years ago to a big Christmas extravaganza, which was totally a poor choice on my part. Talk about sensory overload. And instead of just looking at me 
and saying, I don't like this, or I want to go. He just grabbed me by the hair and was in my face and had me like by the top of the head and wouldn't let go. And I remember thinking, I see people starting to look and I'm, there's so many people around. Someone's going to call security and this is going to just get really bad quick. So I, I tried to just stay super just like neutral. Like, like I'm not fearing for, for both of us right now. I just kind of grabbed his wrist and said, you need to let go. We're leaving. You need to let go. We're leaving until you let go. And the whole way out, he was screaming. And we got in the car and we bawled, just cried and cried and cried. And I felt so bad. I thought I just took him somewhere. And he, I didn't give him any, you know, real talk about where we were going, what we were doing, which, so I felt like that was totally my fault, but it also showed me what can happen if he's just thrust into a new situation. Yeah. And it's sad because you don't want to mark them, you know, and, and give them a scarlet letter sort of, you know, but right, you kind of right. want to put a little sign on the back of his jacket or whatever that says, you know, I have autism, you know, please don't <laughs> overreact to situation or whatever. Right. Like, we got it, you know, we can handle it, but you know, you don't want to do that, but you almost feel like you need to, especially, you know, if security's involved or whatever, because from oh, a I long know. distance, seeing that I would have probably thought, oh my gosh, that man is, you know, beating up his girlfriend or, yeah, you know, I mean, I just, you know, than me. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and there, you know, there's that thing where you're like, okay, I really feel like it's going to happen. Like something's going to go down here. And I don't know, like, I just cannot believe we actually made it out without that happening because I, you know, you know, you just feel eyes on you and people like, you can sure. almost hear them whispering like, oh my gosh, call yeah. and I'm thinking, please just don't come near me. <laughs> please. I'm going to do, we're getting out of here. I promise you all just wanted to say that somehow, but yeah, I just, it, that's when I started to really, I think, realize what what can happen if he gets extremely overwhelmed super quick. Um, so that, you know, there's just always that fear of being in public and having someone not understand the situation and then making it more amped up because they involve a third party, like the police or security, you know, and maybe, you know, there's, maybe they're trying to sincerely help. And, but it just, I don't know. I know some, do you guys have police officer training in Indiana for like autism and stuff? We we do. Um, I actually have a few friends who are police officers and I reached out to them a year or so ago and, and firemen um, about the training. And they, they did say that they have annual training um, every year and they're all re kind of retrained on all of that. And I told them, I'm like, if ever you want me to bring Skylar in, since you guys know him, um, you know, I would be happy to bring him in so that, you know, for a few minutes, at least so that the officers can kind of interact with him and see what they might be dealing with because right. he is nonverbal and he has no way of, you know, he might walk up and smack them on the arm, you know, an aggressive police officer may think that he is, you know, assaulting an officer and put him in cuffs, but he's, he's harmless. He just, you know, that's just how he kind of greets people really. I mean, he just kind of lightly smacks you on the arm or whatever. So, um, you know, Hopefully they'll take me up on that. They had just finished their training when I reached out to them. Um, that would be great. You'd be a great person yeah. to do that. They do like the Autism Society of Greater Orlando has been doing a lot of work with training police officers and they've even gone to other states and done it um, because they have a cop from Miami whose son has, he's an adult with autism who is one of the trainers. So I think that makes it 
a really good training for the police to have like one of their own kind of thing. You know, like I'm not just someone up here talking to you. I'm, I'm a cop too. And you know, I get, you know, what you're used to seeing and let me explain my son and these other kids. And they actually have kids come out um, during the presentation and the officers and like ask some questions to see that like a, what a nonverbal kid would do or a verbal kid who will just say yes or no to anything. Like conversing is just to say no. So no matter what you ask him, if he doesn't know you, he's just going to go no. But just oh. think of the kids that always say yes. Like if, you know, did you, did you hit this kid? And they're just like, yes, because they're scared. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. wait your rights. Yes. You know, it's like, they don't, if they don't understand what they're, what they're answering, even it's just the whole thing is, I, I, there definitely needs to be more of that kind of training. Ironically, that we're moving in next to an Orlando police officer. And then, oh. and then we're also, there's a school resource officer. Um, I saw his car, like right in our neighborhood. That's so good. I should definitely make sure that um, they uh, meet Connor for sure. Well, I do have um, some like uh, decals that kind of go on the windows of our cars, um, like the passenger side where the back where Skylar sits a lot. And I have a seatbelt harness, like a little Velcro thing that goes around the part of the seatbelt that all say I have autism and I'm nonverbal. Just in case I, I you know, I try to think of everything if I was in a car accident and Right, you know, knocked out, and he was in the back seat. And if you know somebody comes, that they would at least know that he can't talk to them. So I don't know. I mean, I just try. You hate thinking of worst case scenarios of every situation, but you know, we even have those decals on his window in his bedroom in case there's a fire. And you know, for God knows whatever reason, we're not able to get him out. They they know that there's someone with special needs in that room or just whatever. Uh, I so mean, I know what you're talking about. I have the one on his window. Um, that says individuals with autism may not, I forget what, yep. may not react, like, you know, may, may run or something. And there was one on my car window too. Now I need a new one because somehow it fell off. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me remember that. Yeah. yeah I have like, extras. I can send you one. I got them yeah, on Etsy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. I just realized I'm like, Hey, it's, it's not on that window anymore. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that is, I mean, it's, it's stinks that we have to like, you don't want to always be thinking of the worst case scenario, but I, I, I do feel like I'm a little bit more of a prepared person having, uh, being a single mom with a kid with autism. Like, I mean, yeah. I've had friends like laugh. They're like, are you kidding me? Like you have his backpack, his lunch is in the refrigerator, in his lunchbox. His medicine is done for the whole week. Like every, every single thing is, is done because it's like, I have to get him up, get him ready and <laughs> get ready for work at the same time. It's like, there's no room for error. Nope, <laughs> not at all. I mean, <laughs> Their schedules cannot be impacted at all. I do the same thing on Sundays. I, I meal prep for myself and, and for Skylar for the whole week. His food is ready. I know what he's going to take. And I make all his from scratch because he's gluten-free. So, um, I you know, I have everything ready to go because, God forbid, I <laughs> have to wing it one morning and I send something and he's like, are you kidding me right now? I don't oh, need that. No. Exactly. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> so. Exactly. You can't. There's no winging it. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> or if it is, you learn the hard way. Be, be me at the, at the hotel at that Christmas extravaganza going, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. We all make mistakes. We're human. <laughs> we are parents. We're not, we're not perfect. So not yeah. Well, I so much appreciate you being a guest and I'm so glad to have found you. I feel like I have a, a great new friend and confidant <laughs> when I'm stressed me, out. Me we too, can call Lauren, each other and invent. <laughs> <So, laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I would love to meet Connor someday. Um, maybe when we come to, to Universal or Disney again, that would be awesome. <laughs> For sure. Well, thanks again and have a wonderful rest of your day. And um, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode in two weeks. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Living the Sky Life within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select that five-star rating, provide feedback or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear about, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.